How I'm are good. you? I'm very good. So the only thing I really wanted to ask you mm. this week was where you've been running, because it's probably not around the local block with your new fancy running machine toy thing. I went, I can't remember the name of the place, but it was in Japan. And it was through some temples, lot multiple temples, and there was lots of deer around. So the trainer kept stopping off to stroke deer, and the deer looked just like the deer you would see in Bambi, and it was lovely. So he would stop and walk, <laughs> and I would kind of catch up with him because I'm a slow plodder. And then when he runs, the whole treadmill goes like two point something. Does it? It just automatically. And, I go, it, and it I'm just... like going, hang it on, it's alive. I'm like, it's oh, Pressing the button to turn the speed down. Oh my god! Tries to increase my incline. I'm like going, nope, none of that. I'm, I'm not having it. Thought. No, I'm going <laughs> to hang around scary. at the back. I'm going at my own pace. I want to take a closer look at the deer. But hey, being true competitive style, I started off. I think was ten thousand and something in this training session. Oh. I ended up at the end of the session nine thousand and five hundred. I think so. I overtook quite a lot of people with them stroking imaginary deer <laughs> and me just running normally. Oh my god! <laughs> it's well, nice I to go think... and visit different countries. I could go to Hawaii, but I just got a feeling it's going to be really hilly. So I'm gonna, I'm going in gently. I'm <laughs> I going can't really. This is the most bizarre conversation. Well, you know, yeah. I'm tempted to go to Hawaii, but I think it might be a bit hilly, so I might give that a miss. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that's, what Hawaii's like at this time. Lovely. Yeah. Well, no, I think they're, <laughs> I think they're always in sunny <laughs> climates just to make you feel better. He did talk about when he was walking through the Japan temple area, he goes, even if it's cloudy and miserable outside, you're here with me in Japan (laughs) or wherever it was. So does he give you a bit of a guided tour then as well? Or is it just occasionally stopping and pointing out? Obviously nothing, because I can't even tell you which temples it was. No, I was going to say, he hasn't done a very good job of that. It was all the deer I was interested in. okay. No, it's lovely. It's nice to see what the other side of the world looks like, to be honest. So, I'd love yeah. I would love that. I would love that. Whether we'll it's a pop running on machine. Over when, when we can. <laughs> when you can yeah. pop on over, yeah. choose a country, and then off you go. It's it's nice, something a bit different. Yeah, but I haven't had a chance to watch much in the Maya films or telly this week. I'm so busy. So I've actually only done one run. I would tell you more countries I've been to, but I've only done one run, but I've done plenty of walks to get myself to I think mine was three hours and 38 minutes. Is that right? It was three hours and 39. Don't say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hang on. What, what? I don't, I can't remember what it was. I think it was three hours and 37, I thought. Oh, three hours 39. Oh, I'm a minute short. No. I thought it was three hours 39. I'm a minute short. Come on. Listen, all you need to do, stand do you know up, what? stand Going up. Going up and down the stairs is probably a minute. Yeah, anyway, totally. Every day. So I've totally. done it. All right. No, this this week I hurt myself. I hurt the top of my thigh. So I couldn't walk one day. So uh, it put me out of action for on Saturday where I'd normally do a nice big long walk then or a run. And I couldn't. So I did plenty of other walks during the week. And everybody's probably thinking, why is she just recording, just going down the road to the local shop in Strava? It's because I'm trying to clock up all my time for this little challenge that we have. Yeah, so I did three hours 38. Sorry to let the side down, but I'll add an extra minute on to next time. How about that? Good stuff. So I think I've done it. I Mm -hmm. did three runs, which were all about 56, 57 minutes. Very good. And then I did a walk, which was about 45 minutes. Oh, there you've done it then. There you go. But then I also 
went mountain biking for an hour at the local they gave way yeah. way over so i know yeah. i've done it i just haven't logged it very well that's all well very good i'm i owe a minute extra for next time a minute like you say you just don't want to have done you've yeah. done that we've easily done yeah. it Right. So, did you watch anything during this week? I don't think I did. The only thing I've I've started watching, you know, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to put it out there that I started watching um, Married at First Sight Australia. Like, I mean, (laughs) ultimate. Ultimate trash TV. Yeah, Um, I hear it's quite good though because lots of people have I know have been watching it. Yeah, it's highly entertaining. Proper guilty pleasure stuff. I've never seen Married at First Sight. Oh, you got to do it. Why is the Australian one so much better than the other ones, though? Are they better looking? I think they're more... <laughs> I don't know. I've watched the, the American one, was the first one I watched. Mm. Then after that, watched the English one, which was awful, because in comparison to America, they were also. I mean, it was so stereotypical, actually. Everyone was so kind of uptight, and it was just actually a bit dull. And then the Australian ones, I think they're just a bit more entertaining, purely because quite outgoing nation, fun-loving yeah, kind can, of people. Yeah. yeah, just a bit more enjoyable to watch in terms of the characters. More they direct can... as well. Exactly. More to the point, to the point, no messing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't think I've watched many films this week apart from these two. What are we going to go first with? It was this week was the oldie was Donnie Darko, the newbie was Escape from Pretoria. So what are we doing first? Donnie. Donnie Darko, okay. This was off my list and I will attempt (laughs) to explain it because it is one of those films that you probably have to watch more than once, I think, to Mm -hmm. truly understand all the possible ramifications of of what it might mean because it's just loaded with symbolism and God knows what else. Anyway, this came out in 2001, directed by Richard Kelly, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Jane Malone, Mary McDonnell, Maggie Gyllenhaal as Jake Gyllenhaal's sister, actually in the film. And I had forgotten about this, that Patrick Swayze is in this film, as is Drew Barrymore. And there are a few other faces that pop up as well. Interestingly, Seth Rogen plays a minor role in this, not obviously in, in any way a comedic role at all. Ruffian, isn't he? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> before he started out on that path. So it is about a troubled teenager, Donnie Darko, strange name, but it's a strange film. He suffers from uh, a mental illness that we know right from the start. He's seeing a psychiatrist. And so the whole setup of the film is he's a little bit unhinged in a family that is, I suppose, slightly fragmented in so much as I think quite early on we see a dinner scene where Donnie and his sister are kind of arguing about quite close to the bone subjects whilst their little sister is listening on and their parents are despairing. And so we, it's kind of sets the scene that we're in this kind of teenage angst world. Plus, mm. as I say, Donnie has this additional issue and has these episodes where he wakes up at night drawn by a vision or a voice of a guy dressed up in a rabbit suit called Frank. And Frank leads him, draws him out of the house to get up to no good. And the first time we see this, whilst he's out of the house, this freak accident occurs where this plane jet engine literally drops out of the sky and crashes into Donnie's room. 
course, he's not in the room. So when he comes back from this dreamlike walk where he meets Frank and is told by Frank that the world is going to end in 28 days, six hours, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And that's the whole setup. He comes back to the house, realizes what's happened and starts to wonder why he wasn't in that room and st- starts to question, I suppose, everything around him. He's already quite a troubled soul who's also incredibly intelligent. And I suppose the the running theme of this is that he questions a lot of modern day beliefs or constructs that most people live their lives by. He questions everything at school. And this is no more personified than this character that Patrick Swayze plays, a guy called Jim Cunningham this motivational speaker who has his whole theory about how people should deal with fear. He's constantly on TV. He's almost like some kind of evangelist, if you like. And this guy eventually turns up to talk to the kids at school and Donnie questions him. And he just gets into a lot of trouble at school. He's very quickly identified as a kid that is not to be trusted. And as the film progresses, he is manipulated by Frank, this giant guy in a rabbit suit, to go out there and commit these mini crimes, do things that he probably wouldn't normally do. It's almost like his mind has taken over. And by doing what he does, it slowly builds to a head, which in turn is a countdown to what is perceived by him to potentially be the end of the world. And whilst this is all playing out, he starts to think that the answer to the modern day world and all of the wrongdoings that are happening in the world, everything that's wrong with it, can be solved by time travel, by this parallel universe. He starts to believe that the way to solve all the problems is by listening to Frank and by listening to him he kind of leads himself to this place where he believes if he can travel in time he can kind of fix what's going on I'm not going to say anything more than that because the ending would be a massive spoiler which everything builds to along the way He finds some normality in his life through a relationship he has with a new girl at school who becomes his girlfriend. And she actually, in some ways, becomes his anchor throughout the film, I would say. Um, And plays quite an important role in the final part of the film as well. It's one of those films that you watch, and if you haven't seen it before, you're like, "What, what is going on? It really is one of those. I mean, I remember when the last time I watched a film when I thought, right, as soon as I finish watching this, I need to go onto YouTube and kind of type in the meaning of insert film. And I think it was when we watched The Prestige um, and we were talking about time travel. And I think I then watched Inception and all these films where you kind of there are various theories as to what a film is trying to say and what is the true meaning. And I think this film is another one of those films where you can probably take various meanings from it. I suppose ultimately the way I saw it is that whether the visions of Frank are because of the medication he's taking. You don't know. There's an indication they, they might be and they might not be. Whether they're genuine, I think for me, it in some ways, doesn't really matter. He, he just thinks that there is a way to solve all of the mm. problems in today's society, which ultimately builds yeah. up to this finale of the film. Before I hand over to you, there's a joyous moment. It's why I think this is one of the best openings of film, mainly because it starts with this shot of Donnie Darko in his pyjamas, clearly after one of these night walks, where he's on this 
it's almost like this kind of mountain road because the sun's coming up, looking down over the valley where he lives. I mean, it's a beautiful setting. And he just kind of looks up in a daze as if he's just woken from a dream. And he just gets on his racer bike and just starts cycling all the way back down the mountain into the suburban mm. area. So you get a real, real feel of the setting. Yeah, yeah. And the soundtrack, the 80s, 90s soundtrack that kicks in is amazing, is In Excess, yeah. Never Tear Us Apart. And the way that track comes in, I was absolutely mm-hmm. loving that because I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember that. It's a great soundtrack, mm-hmm. is this as well? Because as I say, there is this kind of 80s Setting. Yeah, there's a lot actually. Yeah, the music is reminds me a little bit of the Breakfast Club, start and end of that, and and also the Lost Boys as well. And the '80s music we've got Echo and the Bunny Man or Bunny Men, Duran oh. uh, Duran, Pet Shop Boys, U2, and uh, obviously you've got your Gary Jules number one hit covering the Tears for Fears song, Mad World. So I don't know if I did, hopefully I did a, an okay job trying to mm. explain that. And I think one of the big takeaways mm. for me is I, I wouldn't mind watching that again. Mm, the director's cut. The, yeah, well, now Sarah's informed me that there's a director's minutes, cut. Parent, there is, and um, actually I watched this on DVD. We had this on DVD, so I watched it on that. I, I think you could rent it off Amazon Prime as well for 99p, as you said rightly last week. But I felt I watched this for the first time. I, I'm kind of wondering whether I actually haven't watched this before because I don't remember most of it, to be honest, and I didn't realise there were so many stars in this film. You've already mentioned Drew Barrymore. She was in the height of her career, really, at that point, and she was also the executive producer for the film. You've got Noah Weil, who's in the height of his career with ER. That's uh, a TV series. Patrick Swayze, he was hugely famous at that time, but sort of probably on the latter end of his career at that point before, unfortunately, he passed away. And then you've got the mum, Mary McDonnell, who was, we were reviewing Dancers with Wolves. She was in it as well. We've already mentioned Jake and Maggie Gillinghall, And, you know, they've been around for a while. They, I mean, Jake Gillinghall was in City Slickers at the age of 11. Maggie Gillinghall age 15 she started acting as well in Waterland was her first one and then um, and they actually performed together twice in Dangerous Woman and, and Homegrown two movies there and Seth Rogen was his debut film appearance in this film and he was a right ruffian as I, as I mentioned not very nice chap at all but he looks so young and much a little bit sort of cuddly but slimmer it's a very dark film but Jake Gellinghall plays it so well switching from normal Donnie Darko to this slightly possessed second personality I would say when he sees Frank the scary rabbit and apparently in the director's cut Frank is Elizabeth Darko Maggie Gyllenhaal's boyfriend I didn't know that because they don't really explain that in the main film but in the director's cut there's these extra pieces and it's apparently only 30 minutes extra long so I think it is one worth watching but what we do see is the bunny suit is Frank's Halloween costume really at the end don't we and in the film I was surprised when they were talking after a car accident Donnie and Frank were just sort of talking normally and I was like hey hang on a minute this is this bunny rabbit imagine Imagination. What's going on here? The, the imagination that he had been seeing in the cinema as well on one occasion. I love the relationship between Donnie and his mum. And again, both of them played it well. I would say he calls her the B word at the start of the film, which was nice. Obviously not when she was trying to advise him. And she then goes to her husband. Do you realise your son was called me the B word? And later we have a moment together and he says, how do you like having a freak as a son? And then she just goes, I love it. And I just thought my heart melted when I heard that. It was just so sweet. Uh, so they have their ups and downs and the whole family is, I would say, normal, actually. You say there's a bit of angst at the dinner table. I think when you get to teenager age, you will get some rudeness and bickering at the table. 
which we experienced with Elizabeth and Donny. But it was just hilarious when they were talking about some Reed stuff and then Donny's sister, just pipe, little sister pipes up and not having a clue what they'd spoken about. And it's all obviously about the birds and the bees sort of question at the end. And then it just sort of goes to the next scene. It's quite funny. So it's got, it is dark, but it's a little bit comedy value in there as well. But it does have a real twist at the end. And you wonder whether there's some deja vus between the characters, whether they know each other uh, or they're just actual memories at all as well. So Jenna Malone plays Gretchen Ross, the girlfriend, and uh, she seems really nice and supportive throughout the whole film to Donnie. And Donnie's actually generally a nice guy. There's a girl that gets bullied a lot and he's by his two best buddies. He sticks up for her and, he, and she fancies Donnie as well, this poor girl that's getting bullied. And he just seems to come across as actually, although he's, he's a troubled character, he's, he's actually quite a nice guy deep down. And he's also very protected over Gretchen. You can see actually Jenna Malone, it's weird seeing in that there. And then also you see her in the Hunger Games trilogy as Joanna Mason as well. She's been in Batman and Superman. As, and she's also more recently played Angie Bowie, the first wife of David Bowie in Stardust. But apparently the reviews is not particularly great, unfortunately, a bit like Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman that we saw. So music, fantastic. Mad World was top 40 for 12 weeks. And as I mentioned, it reminds me of The Lost Boys and Donnie's friends also remind me of the Frog Brothers a little bit from Lost Boys and the mother figure reminds me of a bit of Diane Weiss in that film as well so there, I think there is a little bit of similarity and it is created a bit later almost about 10 years later than the Lost Boys movie so there might be some influence there the rabbits just seems to pop up all over the place there was a, a Volkswagen rabbit that passed by as you wait for the school bus there was a cuddly rabbit next to Gretchen as she sleeps in the recliner and I think in the cinema I'm sure you saw the rabbit on the cereal box obviously Echo and the Bunny Man as well which I think is quite a funny nice little tie there as well so I think Richard Kelly who the director and writer he's got an obsession with rabbits obviously actors that turned down the roles with Vince Vaughn turned down the part Mark Wahlberg was interested in the part of Donnie Darko as well and we had Jason Schwartzman was was nearly considered and apparently had scheduling conflicts Tim Robbins nearly played the dad and Mara Wilson who you see in Matilda nearly nearly played the little sister Samantha Darko so quite famous people there and, and already had plenty of famous people in it as well and it's probably really the first film that I mean October Sky was fantastic with Jake and but this was really what made Jake and Maggie. I know them well, obviously. That's why I'm calling by their first names. <laughs> Um, and this originally this film was set for home release but it wasn't uh, it was Christopher Nolan that stepped in to support and said he wanted it should be a cinematic release so obviously got a lot of people interested and that's why you got so many people supporting it from the acting perspective but also directors as well and other writers it was filmed over 28 days can you believe it it's the same t- number of days that the countdown they had in the film I find that really interesting and the film it didn't cost a huge amount to make and as I said executive producer was Drew Barrymore it cost six million dollars to make but it only took six million dollars worldwide grace but that's at that time and I think since then it's become really a cult classic and I think a lot of people have watched it maybe on the TV or DVD or whatever afterwards and I don't think you necessarily need to watch it on the big screen to enjoy it either I think you can watch it on any size screen although Christopher Nolan said it should be at the cinema release that was probably just to get some, bring some more money in. But I think home release would have been fine as well. Like in current days, it probably would do very, very well if it's got the right advertising behind it. And there were some special effects with future blobs coming out of the chest to help show time continuum, let's just say. 
And I just found it really engaging and quite smart and clever how they delivered it. And I, I do want to go back and watch the director's cut, see what extra bits they would have put into it. As I've already mentioned, the boyfriend scenario, I think there's lots more that could be unveiled. And I can't believe it even brought in Stephen Hawking's theories into this film. And that blows my mind as it is anyway. So I think I, I would like to go back and understand it a little bit more on the time travel and time continuum or quantum physics or whatever it is. There's a lot more that's to be unveiled, I think, in the director's cut. I just think it's a very intelligent mm. film. It does seem to take from other films. You mentioned The Lost Boys, you mentioned Breakfast Club earlier. And I think that's what I liked mm. about it. It was very almost understated in places. It made you have mm. to mm. think. I really quite liked it. It was almost like it gave you all the information, but how you then piece that together is kind of up to you. I like the fact, as you say, that Donnie, at heart, is a good guy. You feel sorry for him because at the end of the day, just as a teenager, just mm. get confused as they try and kind of find their way in the world and, and find their place in the world, as it were, with the kind of issues you deal with as a teenager. Really, that's mm. him. It just so happens that for reasons we don't know in the film, he's already seeing a psychiatrist. He's already on medication. And like you say, this kind of schizophrenia yeah. that is suggested yeah. that he has, and that's why, like you say, he has this double mm. personality. It does feel like he's possessed because he has that... It's a very mm. subtle thing he does when he is in that place and he is talking to Frank. He kind of hunches his He's head barely, down. Yeah, very clever. Almost in a mm. kind of a Jack Nicholson mm. shining type way. Yeah. He, he has this very sinister, childlike smile. Yeah. It's just enough to do the job of turning him into someone that you know he he isn't really yeah. uh, for that period of and time. I, yeah, uh, and I think that's why he's gone on to play some horrible characters as well, like in the Zodiac, for example. He can switch it on and off, that nice boy-next-door look and then the evil Jake Gyllenhaal look as well. Yeah. So, and he, you know, I think he just played it so well. And in fact, most of the actors in this film did a really great job. Amazing. They were an yeah, amazing cast. Yeah. They, all, they all absolutely nailed yeah. it. And... Um, there were a few characters in this where I almost felt like there was this awareness of what's going on in a strange way. Mm. And I thought a really good example of that was the psychiatrist and also Donnie's mum. I don't know, there was a, just this occasional look in her eye that almost suggested that she kind of knew something mm. we didn't or, or almost as if she was on Donnie's side or she kind of knew what he was going through more than just a concerned mum might do. And I think because of those strange undertones that are ju they're just present in with a lot of the characters, there's just a lot of undertones to this film, which just means it's constantly off kilter, which really draws mm. you in. You, you kind of almost think there's something to suspect or something that's not quite right with every character in a way. Yeah, I really, really liked it. I, I almost feel like, sounds ridiculous, but I almost feel like I can't give it an honest rating because I feel like I haven't fully understood what the film is about. That yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And 
and and actually they just on top of this when they did Samantha Darko they they had another film called S Darko which uh, Richard Kelly wrote and directed as well but unfortunately the ratings were were pretty low and it was like 3.6 out of 10 on IMDb unfortunately but it has the young girl all grown up about eight years later in this film so yeah Ah. the the girl that plays Samantha Darko which is Devere Chase yeah she's in it but then there's some quite a few unknowns in the film and nobody really from the original so obviously maybe the the script wasn't as strong as the first one for Donnie Darko in it so you, yeah. you mentioned earlier kind of the music and Mad World. Well, that's one of my favourite tracks. And I love the way that that's used to wrap up the film towards the end. I just thought it was mm. such yeah. a perfect track. I, I just remember it being number one for like ages, but it was only three weeks. I thought it was much longer than that, but only three weeks at number one in the UK charts. But top 40, as I said, and for 12 weeks. So, so yeah, so um, on my rating, I'm going to give it, because I need to understand it a bit more. Mm. I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. It's a brilliant film. I've toyed with nine and a half or nine out of 10, but I'm going to go for nine. That's kind of what I was thinking. So Uh I'm going for nine, but how about this? We both go for nine, but for this one specific film, why don't we both watch the the director's and then reconvene and reevaluate the score? Yeah, why not? Yeah, let's do that. That sounds a great idea. Cool, and yeah, you can get Director's Cut. We've ordered it on DVD or Blu-ray. You can get it at the moment. I'm not sure you can get it on live streaming at the moment. All good. So that was Donnie Darker. Great scores and one definitely to watch. And everything is a bit of a blast from the past, actually. So it was a great watch. Uh, So the next film is Escaped from Pretoria. Escaped from Pretoria, yeah. That's the one. (laughs) I can't do the accent. I'm not going to even bother. (laughs) My South African accent <laughs> is nowhere near as good as Daniel Radcliffe's in this film. <laughs> I thought his accent was pretty good, actually. I know, I'm joking. Right. It was pretty good. You're right. <laughs> Very good. I have to say my Aussie accent's probably a Scottish Scotland accent. is pretty good as well. <laughs> okay, well, when we, when we do Braveheart. Freedom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Released more recently, I would say, on Amazon Prime. However, release date is 2020. I'm wondering whether they were set to release it at the cinema, but then lockdown kicked in. So, yeah, you can watch it on Amazon Prime right now for free streaming. Director is Francis Anand, and it's based on a biographical novel, Inside Out, Escape from Pretoria Prison, written by Tim Jenkins. And he actually, in real life, has a cameo in the film as well as one of the prisoners. It stars Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Webern, Ian Hart, known for Professor Quirrell from the Harry Potter and Philosopher's Stone. And you've got Mark Leonard Winter. They're the main four characters in the film, but obviously lots of prisoners in there. And it's based on a true story set during the apartheid days of South Africa in 1979, around that time, 1970s. And Nelson Mandela at the time was already in prison. And there was a group of white men trying to fight against the apartheid and support the black people. Tim Jenkins, Daniel Radcliffe and Daniel Webber played Stephen Lee, get caught up in political campaigning and get arrested together and sent to the prison Pretoria. You would think they'd split them up, wouldn't you? (laughs) 
most people would split them up, surely. Most organisations would split them up. Anyway, they meet other political white activists in there, and it is a white man's prison. However, there was a couple of black men in there. Uh, I think they were in there just to show how the tension was between the black and white people at that time in particular. And after hundreds of days... Jenkins, the smart one and the mastermind of certain acts in the towns and cities when they were protesting, devises a plan to get them out of jail. How he does it in 1980 with smart thinking and bravery is why I like this film in particular. So... I'm going to leave it as that. So, Rob, I don't want to give too much away, and you can chip in and share some insights, maybe, or a couple of spoilers, but just warn our listeners at the time. But I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Okay, so I remember when I watched this film, and first of all, let's start with Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, obviously, he's done many films since Harry Potter, but I think because of that role and I think also let's be honest because of his stature he's not the tallest guy in the world whether he convinces you basically in this role I think is really important he looked really strong yes I I think it's almost like they compensated maybe by bulking him out a little bit Um, I mean in terms of him looking like he's from the 70s with the hair and the glasses and and the, the attire worked perfectly the accent was fine it was all good I think that's the first thing I, I kind of got past that quite quickly but I think the main reason I got past it was the story it doesn't take long that you get the setup you see them get arrested they're in prison it's quite clear I mean you know the clues in the title of the film that their intention is to figure out how they can escape how they can get out of this prison that story of what then occurs how they attempt to do that is absolutely mind-boggling i mean i mean i i mean i i think it's important to tell people that the method to which they attempt to escape is ingenious let's just say this is based on making tools with whatever they can find whatever they can get their hands on that allow them to get through a series of doors to try and escape from the prison and I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. That Christ, did this really yeah, happen? That's what I thought. Yeah, and that's why really the biggest takeaway from me is yes, the acting's good. Everything about it looks a good film, but I didn't come away from it thinking, "Wow, that was." I mean, it's great seeing Daniel Radcliffe in something like that. It was just, it was really. My no, my takeaway is just, oh my god, that that actually happened, mm. and immediately it's like, and it's one of those things at the end of the film, you get more information about the various characters. And it's incredible. I, I, I just can't, I can't get over that. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's all I really want to talk about, to be quite honest, yeah. is, is yeah. that. It's not only the, the, the way they kind of create these tools. But if I think back to the film Lion, there was a big chunk of that film that was purely focused on a guy at a computer using Google Maps, Google Earth. Mm-hmm to mm-hmm. try and locate somewhere in the world. And you think, well, how on earth do you kind of bring that to life? How do you make that interesting? And they did. And it's the same with this. Once you understand what they're trying to do, there's still a big job to ratchet up the tension. There's still a job to do to try and do as much as they can visually with the method that they're using to escape, to make it almost feel in some ways like a thriller. And there were so many moments in it where you're just like, oh my God, oh my 
my God, they're going to get caught. Oh, they're not going to get caught. Oh, what they're going to do here. And like, it, it was one of those films where yeah. it, it just worked, you know, to the point where, you know, just seeing a drop of sweat fall onto the floor oh, or, or, or whether it's them like having to, during a dummy run of an escape, having to quickly hide in a, like a laundry cupboard with a door that won't probably shut with their fingers slipping off the inside mechanism that you can kind of relate to in a weird way. All these moments were just like, oh my God, they're going to get caught. And, all that. And, and, and so all these moments just make you think, God, can this just have happened? It's, it's, it's incredible. And everyone's used to watching prison films where the usual form of escape is tunneling. Um, you know, we saw it in Shawshank. Shawshank. You saw yeah. Escape from Alcatraz, Clint Eastwood. You see it in many films. It's the tunneling the out rock. of the cell and the rock, precisely. So that's <laughs> why this is almost so refreshing. I mean, it's almost like an amazing concept just to come up with whether it's real or not. And, and yet, oh my God, it's real. So for me, that was a big takeaway. It's almost like anyone could have played Tim Jenkins' part. Really, they just needed somebody famous to to sell the film. So Daniel Radcliffe was that person. Totally agree. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they could have had anyone really. But, you know, you've got Daniel Radcliffe and Ian Hart who've worked together already in Harry Potter. It must have been a bit weird working together again because... I don't think Ian Hart was in any of the others. I think it was just the first one. Daniel Radcliffe was a child then, and now he's he must be kind of really proud of him as well at the same time, now seeing him as an adult and working with him as an adult. I mean, he's 32 in July, Daniel Radcliffe. You kind of forget how old he is, and you kind of think he's still a child. <laughs> always, he's always going to be a child. So yeah. Like Michael J. Fox, I suppose. When, yeah. You know. But I've noticed uh, ever since the Harry Potter series, he's done some eerie thrillers. He's done The Woman in Black, which I've found really eerie and he's done the jungle as well which was a thriller and this one's a thriller but interesting i looked him up and he's got a comedy coming out on netflix very soon called kimmy schmidt kimmy versus the reverend Yeah. And I'm like going, okay, not sure how good that's going to be. But uh, yeah, I think he's trying to stop being typecast, maybe. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure there's a huge yeah. conscious effort to that. I mean, there was a mm. film that I haven't seen that came out in 2016 that he was in called Swiss Army Man, which was a comedy. I think it was quite an abstract mm. comedy, but I was really mm. interested to watch that. I mean, I think he's a very capable actor. I mean, the thing is with Harry Potter... It's not something you necessarily want to escape because it's inc- those films are incredible, really. I mean, like, they really, yeah. really were. And he will forever be attached to them. I suppose it's the case with, you know, maybe a well-established James Bond actor trying to move forward. And I hope he does. Mm-hmm. But I mean, mm-hmm. like you say, he's got time on his side. I think as long as he doesn't return to that role, at least not in the the immediate future, I think he's a very engaging yeah, actor to watch. Actor. Um, yeah, he is a good actor. And he was in this. But yeah, I think, but as I said, I think anyone could have played that part because it was, still would have been engaging. They could have brought somebody that could have tried to launch into to Hollywood a bit more because of the fact that it was real life and that actually happened, as you said, what blows your mind, really. And that's why I, I quite enjoyed it, actually. And I'm surprisingly, it was filmed in South Australia as well. Interesting, it's not filmed in South Africa. I wonder if there's some political reason for not doing it there. Well, I imagine How- it's it's normally to do with tax breaks these days as to where they're used to Well, the good thing is the escapees were all pardoned by the South African president in 1991, and that's by President F.W. de Klerk. But it's an incredible story, really, and, and I really recommend people watch that. I would just say, building up to a rating for this, 
I just thought it was a really solid film. I, I don't think I would probably give it more than eight out of ten, but solid film. I did really enjoy it, but I enjoyed it mainly because of the just this incredible mm. story. Yeah, I completely agree, and I'm going to give it eight out of ten as well for exactly the same reason. So there you go. Yeah, enjoy watching it. So the new film for this week is The Little Things. The Little Things. So this came out on the 11th of March, The Little Things. This is directed by John Lee Hancock, starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malek and Jared Leto. So Kern County Deputy Sheriff Joe Deacon is sent to Los Angeles for what should have been a quick evidence gathering assignment. Instead, he becomes embroiled in the search for a serial killer who is terrorizing the city. I just got this kind of glossy, starry thriller in my head for this, which it I is, hopefully it is a, enjoy. And I think it's got a bit of a seven feel to it, I think, when, you know, Brad Pitt's seven. Yeah, so you can rent it on Amazon, Chili, Sky Store, Talk Talk TV and Rakuten TV. It is the higher priced rental, so you may want to wait a month and it might be slightly cheaper then or might be free streaming. And the all-important runtime, quite literally, oh, yes, is two hours and eight, <gasps> and eight minutes. Only eight oh, minutes over the two-hour mark. Two hours and eight minutes. So two hours and nine minutes because I didn't do that. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> two hours and eight minutes. Okay, cool. So you're picking from my list this week. I am. Romance. Romance. Okay, let me look at my romances. <laughs> I've got 22 romances. You have been busy. Right. So, okay. It's the 15th today. So it's number 15. It's a classic. It's St. Elmo's Fire. Oh, wow. 1985. Okay. I must have seen this film. I must have seen it. It's an old classic. It's in that kind of breakfast club era, isn't it? Yes. Pretty much similar gang. Same same gang, which is why I think I'm, I'm, I would have seen it. Mm. So St. Elmo's Fire, 1985, directed by Joel Schumacher. I mean, Amelia Westerves, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson. I mean, it's... The Brat uh, Pack. It's the Brat the Pack. The Brat Pack. Andy McDowell's in it. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. This is about a group of friends just out of college struggling with adulthood. That's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> And it's uh, streaming right now on Sky Go and Now TV. So that's perfect. And for most people that have those, and you can rent and buy off most online channels. So the little things and St. Elmo's Fire. Proper classic. It film. is, it is. Actually, oh, hang on. Gonna... Hang on. We have, of course, forgotten the runtime again. Oh, is it a shorty? or a lot? It's probably a long one, isn't it? No, it's not too bad. It's one hour and 50 yeah. minutes. So we have to exercise for three hours and 58 50, yeah. minutes. Which is similar to what we did on week one. Okay, yeah. that's fine. So it could be running, walking or cycling or whatever. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can go running in Japan if you like, yeah. if you're that lucky. Or it could just be a walk or it could be the cleaning I walk in Hawaii there you go if you've got the option <laughs> the world's quite literally your oyster <laughs> yeah now I'll go and see the horses I think I like going to see the horses around this world. this is going to be the first you do realise now Sarah this is going to be the first thing I ask you every you week now because it's yeah. <laughs> absolutely intriguing can't go anywhere can we I can't know. go anywhere at the moment <laughs> so why not I'm going to run in these different locations that I'm intrigued about oh I'm very jealous very jealous 
<laughs> so three hours 58 minutes and add on the one minute for sarah <laughs> and normal runtime for rob i'm going to try my best to make sure it's all logged on strava yeah so um yeah i'm looking forward to these films and um, one's quite dark and the other one's dark but happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. Light and shade, shall we just say. Yeah, light and shade. I'm intrigued to listen to the music as well and say oh, Elmo's no, Bar. I can't Elmo's remember. Far. Very good. I'm, I'm already looking forward to that. So I'm going to get my leotard and uh, long sock stockings on and going to listen to and watch St. Elmo's Bar. Oh, you've got, you've got me in a bit of a hot flush here, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> And then you're going to yeah. go in your running machine and you're yeah. going to go and look at some deer. And I'm going to put a headband um, on as well. Put a okay. headband on. Proper Very fame, eight. proper fame kind of Exactly. I, when you listen to St Elmo's Fire music, it kind of brings out the 80s in me. I might have to bring along some 80s memorabilia. Well, next week, we're going to be sat here with headbands on. Bright pink lipstick and blue eyeliner. And it's probably in fashion, actually, now. No, I'm, I'm, sure probably, I'm, I'm probably out of date. <laughs> I'm not sure I can pull that off, but I'll give it my mm, best. Very luminous colours. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sounds good. Yep. So I'm looking forward to those two films, The Little Things and St. Elmo's Bar. Have enjoy a fan- running. I will enjoy my running and I will log everything, as I said. And I look forward to hear where you've been running, what TV you've been watching and what films you've been watching next week. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All righty. Have a fantastic one. And I will chat soon. Bye. Thanks very much, listeners. Bye-bye.